In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show. I am your host, Seth Saunders, joined as always by my co-host, James Kim. What's up, brother? Bark at the people. What's up, man? Rough Saturday, man. That was stressful. Haven't had one of those in a while. Uh, gave me some heart palpitations, but as always, a win's a win, and I am just surviving advance, just like the NCAA tournament, just surviving advance. That's all I care about. Yeah, so the beauty of that Saturday night was is that we haven't felt that in such a long time. And I I was, as it was happening, as I was watching the game and texting with you, in my brain I was processing, this almost feels like it's not real life. Like this shouldn't happen anymore. Yeah. Which, what a beautiful world to live in. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no kidding. So... I, that was kind of an interesting part about it, and we'll talk about the game. But I do want to lead off talking about we've got a a big thing coming up for us as a show. We've got our first ever live show happening this Friday in Athens at the Be Unlimited store downtown. So if you were going to be in Athens this weekend for the Deep South's oldest rivalry, see the dogs whoop up on the Tigers, come out and see us. Uh, we will be there at well, – the show's going to start at 6.30. We'll be there a little before that, um, and we'll hang out a little bit after. But if you're going to be in town, swing by. we got a great show lined up. Matt Hibbs, the CEO of Classic City Collective, uh, the NIL arm for UJ Athletics, is going to be there. I guess it's technically not connected to UJ Athletics, but that's who a lot of the UJ athletes are working with, and they're doing it the right way. So fired up to chat with Matt and have him talk about the collective a little bit so folks can understand all of that better and going to have Brooke Whitmire who has quickly become one of our favorites uh, come back on and chat with us Brooke is just an absolute beauty so looking forward to seeing him and spending some time with him in the classic city and then uh, we're also going to have a musical guest so Logan Crosby is going to come on he is an up and coming artist he was on an ABC reality show this summer called Claim to Fame and has some music coming out and he's got an unreleased track called bury me in athens which is really cool on his instagram and tiktok uh so excited to hear a little bit of his story too and he's going to play some live music so anyways all in all going to be a kick-ass time so come out and hang with us be unlimited shop is awesome too and they've been an awesome partner for us uh, in the pick'em contest this year which we've enjoyed doing along with Game Day Products, who's also one of our sponsors for the Pick'em Contest. So we've been blessed having both of them and have loved working with both of them. And so we're fired up to do this. And uh, yeah, so 6.30, and you can check out all the details on our socials and whatnot, but something that we are fired up about. And we'll be talking about our 5-0 and Georgia Bulldogs, brother. Not one, Not number one in the country anymore, but who cares, man? The only yeah. time it matters that they're one is when the last game is over. So... We were obviously texting throughout the game on Saturday night, and it was a funny game because it just felt like they were out of sorts, almost like they were on skates is kind of what it felt like in a lot of ways, especially for that first half. And I think it was a byproduct to some things. 
don't you, where night game and they didn't immediately put the boot down and it kind of gave that home crowd some hope. And so they got ginned up and they were into it. And didn't you feel like on offense, the crowd noise for the first time all year affected us offensively? I thought it 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 affected what we wanted to do from a snap count perspective. And because of that, they got very predictable in the snap count. And I thought it really contributed to Mizzou's ability to get off at the line of scrimmage and to kind of have that first step on the offensive line and kind of have the offensive line on their heels all night. Were you seeing that? You think that was a factor at all? I really feel like that's the first time since 2019 that that's happened. I mean, 2020, obviously, COVID year, home field really wasn't a factor. I can't remember a game last year where the home the home crowd really was a factor in any game other than at home for us against the other team. So that's the first time that I remember UGA being affected by a away crowd, normally because, like you said, they put the foot down and they are, you know, up quick in the game you know take the crowd out and but they gave them hope early and really i mean most of the game there was hope there and they thought they were going to win and really it looked like they were going to win until that last you know four minutes there it, we became very predictable with the snap count i mean there were several times the um lefty in i know jeff coats one of the names because it's jim jeff coats kid but the the other d end um number nine he was Every single play, he was half a step quicker than McClendon every single time because he knew he was he was guessing the snap count every single time. And when we tried to change it up, we were off. We jumped off sides. Yeah, it was it was just an interesting dynamic. It was an interesting game to watch. It just felt foreign to your point. I mean, yeah, it's been almost two full seasons since you had to deal with crowd noise because obviously the away games last year were never a contest. I mean, I know there was a lot of people uh, at Tennessee last year, but I never felt like the crowd noise affected us in any way. So it wasn't really an issue at all. And yeah, man, they, they just looked out of sorts. And obviously the turnovers in the first half didn't help. You get two fumbles that give Mizzou short fields. But I think the thing that hasn't really been talked about is how admirable a job the defense did on a short field all night. I mean, to only give up, what did it end up being, 16 points? No, more than that. What was the final? 22. 22 points. Yeah, 26-22. Yeah, so I mean, 22 points, bunch of short fields. What did the kid kick? Five field goals? Yeah, five field goals. And they were long field goals. Only gave up the one touchdown, the little slip out to the tight end in the flat where he kind of one-hands it and gets in. Um, so which I mean, was a great I, let's give that let's give Mizzou credit there. That was a great play design. The, when sure. that happened, that was a great play design. I saw, yeah. we saw that and I was like, holy crap. Yeah, and I, I was talking to my dad about this. Just from a football fan perspective, you got to feel good for the kid that kicks from Mizzou. I can't remember his yeah. name. I just know they refer to him as the thicker kicker, which is just <laughs> outstanding. I mean, yeah, just outstanding. <laughs> If you didn't watch the game and you are not familiar with Mizzou kicker, he's a bigger fella. He's not missing too many of the team buffets or too many post-game parties. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. He's a little he's a little wide at the waist, and we love him for it. I mean, like a Sebastian Janikowski redux in a lot of ways. And he but shorter, could not but shorter. He's but like five ten. He's like five ten, five. He's not tall at all. And our boy could not miss on Saturday night. I mean, they could have had him line up in St. Louis, and I think he still was <laughs> going to hit a kick. He just could not miss. I I read 
can't remember who posted it. Somebody tweeted out that he had made something like 218 yards worth of kicks. That's insane. I mean, did he had a monster night? And that 56 yarder, I think, would have been good from 60 plus. It was yeah. plenty of clearance. So, yeah, it, and and because of that, the reason I talk about all that is I, I want to ask you. Did it feel like to you at any point they're going to lose? Because at some points, to me, it felt like, is this just one of those nights where all the cards are stacked in the direction that they have to be stacked in for a four-touchdown underdog to win a football game? Like, that's just kind of what it felt like. It was a weird, weird game. I'll tell you the play that happened that made me think, okay, we are going to lose. The third and 17 play when Ringo didn't turn around and got called for the holding penalty. And I was just like, okay, I'll write it. Cause I was like, all right, I think we're down by seven there. And it's like, we're going to get the ball back. I think it's 1912 at this point. We're going to get the ball back. We got a chance to tie. I was like, things are going in. We got just, we just had that big sack, then an incomplete pass. It's like things that we got them deep in their territory. Then Ringo gets called for the holding penalty. Then they go down and kick another field goal. They go up 22-12. I thought it was done at that point. We can't get out of our own way. Our defense is doing well to keep holding the field goals, but we're still down by two scores. Yeah, it was. there was a couple moments where I just thought, I don't know, man. This has got just a weird feel to it. Like, you know, it was first day of October, and it just had a spooky feel to it, brother. I was like, there is some Halloween stuff happening right now that this is even looking the way it is. And I did text with you on Sunday and just said, Hey, look, I've got a little perspective on it now. And if you really chop that game into two halves, yeah, Georgia wins the second half 20 to six. So if they duplicate the second half, it's a 40 to 12 ball game, which is a spread cover. So I, I do think there's a lot of anomaly in the result and offensively, what still through for 300 plus yards. Yeah. I think still we're close to 500 total yards of offense. I think they ended up with like 487. So it's not like it was a terrible night. I think obviously Brett Thorson had more punts than he's had all season. What did he have? Three. Yeah. So, but I just think there's been a lot of score reaction, which I get that. And they, they didn't take the lead till late. And look, they could have easily lost that football game. I'm not debating all that. I mean, have to do a fake field goal on fourth down to get another field goal. You know, they didn't end up scoring on that drive. But, I mean, that happened against Mizzou. That shouldn't have to happen. And then had to go for it on fourth and one near the goal line before the first touchdown in the fourth quarter. So, like, that happened, the Kenny Jet sweep. So, I mean, like, you know what? I Did you notice the player reactions? Mizzou, I think, thought it was fourth and goal. Really? Yeah, so if – I only watched it once because I never want to see that game film again. But if you went back and watched that run, watch the players' reaction by the pylon. They celebrated as if it was their ball because he didn't get in. Oh, so wow. I think they thought I think they thought it was fourth and goal. So, anyways, not that that matters one way or the other, but I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit during that. I do want to talk to you about some some. Really, really positive things from Saturday night, okay? Because they won, so I don't really care how they won. They won. It's over with. Moving on. It's a road win in the SEC in god-awful Columbia, Missouri, okay? But first and foremost, MVP got to be Darnell Washington, no? Yeah, no question. I thought what he did catching the football, but probably more importantly, what he did from 
moving other humans perspective was <laughs> he was easily the MVP. I mean, he was so, so noticeable all night. I thought the play that he made where he essentially picks it out of midair and then pirouettes down the sideline and then it ends up hurdle karate chopping the Mizzou player. <laughs> the Ralph Macchio kick, yeah. Yes, I mean, it, m- maybe one of my favorite plays of his career. And just a behemoth of a man getting that high in the air to then just drop the the drop kick on you, the, the death drop kick. It was fantastic. But he is a weapon. And I think I saw today he's averaging something like 18.6 yards a catch. So I like that he is being involved in the offense because he's uncoverable, absolutely uncoverable. So that's my first one. Second one is, you know we're not going to get through any more of this podcast without me highlighting. Arian Smith got his first catch this season. God bless him. I was fired up to see him back out there running around. I think that is such a weapon for this offense and just fired up for him to get some run. So hoping he's fully healthy and back. So that was great. Only had the one catch, one catch for seven yards, I think. But I think we're going to see some fireworks out of him, hopefully as soon as Saturday. And then third big thing for me, Dom Blaylock. Oh, Dom had some pivotal catches in that ball game. How about the one where he goes up and snags it strong hands on that third down play? That was a that big was a play. Huge play. It's a huge, huge play. play. And yeah, if you know, if Dom is 2019 Dom, boy, that's good for us. Because once you get AD back healthy, Arian healthy, if you get 2019 Dom, they're gonna be all right. Who 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 am I missing? Who else had big big games, big nights that have gotten undersold because of the white knuckle nature of the wind? Tripod. Well, yeah, I mean that's yeah. He was nails, man. Just think about it. I mean, if he misses one of those kicks, I mean, think about the whole demeanor of the team. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's a good call. That's a really, really good call. And then I think the play of the game that is Malachi. Malachi yep. running that guy down with the 60-plus yard run. Yep. You know, I mean, I, I know that he still stopped him at the one, but then they have the false start, and then they don't score the touchdown on that drive to get a field goal. They score six there. That They go up, what, that, that puts them up se- uh, 17, right? Yeah, it would have been a It would have been a three-score game. It would have been a three-score game at that point. And, I mean, that changes the whole complexion of the game. That pretty much takes us out of running the ball at all. Um, even though we really didn't try to run the ball anymore in the first half, um, but that pretty much takes us out of running the ball at all in the second half if we're down three scores. That's a great point. How many guys just give up on that play, right? How many guys Almost, just, pull, how many guys just most, pull up? Most. Most. And he busted his ass all the way down the field to catch that kid. So, yeah, that, that's a really good point, man. I think that that has to be, if you're really charting it, Maybe play of the season because I think it's a combination of everything culturally Kirby is trying to build within the program, you know, resiliency, toughness, composure. It was all those things. So yeah, that's a great point. How big is that too? And I know the fall starts gotten talked about a lot, but who's to say they would have scored even from the one. Yeah. So that turned out being a monster play. I, th- I think everything that probably needs to be said about that game has been said. I do want to point some things out to you. I want to highlight some things to you because there's just been a lot of hissing and moaning this week from the collective fan base. Shocker. Because 
not only of the effort Saturday night, but kind of dovetailing with Kent State because people weren't happy about the final score in that game, even though that was another dominating performance statistically. So I just want to throw some things at you. Okay, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Through five games, averaging 71 offensive plays per game. 71. Brother, that's a lot. Averaging 521 yards per game, which is fifth in the country. Averaging 7.34 yards per play, which is sixth in the country. Converting uh, third downs at a 53% clip, which is eighth in the country. Averaging 34 minutes time of possession, sixth in the country. And have only punted nine times all season which is fewest in America, okay? So uh, even given what's happened the last two weeks, folks, the sky is far from falling here, okay? This is still an absolute behemoth. And let's also put that in perspective. All those numbers are with the running game being pretty much stagnant for the majority of these games. Until the yes. fourth quarter, really, Friday night. I mean, Saturday night. And also with one full game of A.D. Mitchell. Yeah. So, and not to mention, like three quarters of a game of healthy Jalen Carter. So, I mean, he's had the ankle, now he's got the knee. So you're talking about two of your impact players who really haven't played. So... I don't know. I feel outstanding about it. I'm going to point out two more things to you that I think belie some of the struggle. First one is, for the season, we're plus two turnover margin, which is great. Anytime you're positive, that's what you want to be. But that number was plus six through games one through three. We're minus four in the last two games. So if you're looking for a symptom of the sickness, that's one, right? Minus four in turnover margin over two games, not a good thing. So let's clean that up. The other thing is 31 trips to the red zone, 11 field goals in those 31 trips. So that's a problem too. You're leaving, that's a lot of four-point swings on the field. So got to clean that up. I think Those are the two things for me. Penalties are good. One of the least penalized teams in America. So that's not a real issue and even the turnovers what Stet's got one pick all year so it's not like a hey we're being careless with the football even Kendall's fumble man that was a hell of a play by that kid he comes in from behind knuckles right on the laces pops it out I mean what are you gonna do do I think he could have had five points of contact on the ball from a carrying perspective yeah I do I mean he was a little loose with it I thought didn't you yeah but I mean, either way, I mean, that was a good play. It wasn't yeah. that wasn't a fumble that I was like, oh my God, Kendall, what are you doing? That was a oh damn, that guy made a good play on the ball. Yeah, hundred percent. That's how I felt about it. It was like, well, that stinks, but the kid made a hell of a play. What are you gonna do? The mesh fumble. I don't know. Yeah, I don't that, know what happened there. I don't really know how to prescribe that one way or the other. I think that's just one of those things every once in a while it's gonna happen. But I will say this. I really hope that we switch. I'm a lineman. You know, I'm a lineman. I'm a big, ugly guy. But whatever we did to switch, I mean, gap 
blocking scheme, zone blocking scheme, whatever, man on man. The zone blocking scheme does not work for the ta- the the players we have on the team right now. Tate, I love him, but he has not recovered enough to get to go from his to get in front of guys that are not directly in front of him. He just doesn't have that lateral quickness anymore. And he's I think that's due to the 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 list fr- the list frame fracture and then the turf toe. He just doesn't have it yet. He may get it back, he may not, but as soon as we switch to that gap uh, blocking scheme in the second half, look at the difference in our run game. We were creating huge holes for people. Yeah, I'm I want to talk to you about this cuz it's it's getting to be a thing for me now and it's a thing that I have a lot of discomfort with. I don't like that we don't just have a set five. I'm ready to have a set five. Drives me it, nuts. It feels to me like the offensive line, and I feel like we've talked about this before, there's synergy there. So we need to know who's lining up beside me. I need to know how you're going to step. I need to know how quick you're going to be on my ass if you're pulling. I need to know all of these things, okay? I don't want to look over and go, oh, wait, it's you this time. So now I got to take a half step long. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just needs to be reactionary. And it feels to me as a non offensive lineman that that's problematic. Just feel like in anything that involves cohesion, where you have multiple acting as one, (laughs) let the multiples be as limited as possible. So I very much want that to just be settled and, and listen. I get the rationale behind it. You're trying to get guys reps. If God forbid there's an injury, X, Y, Z. Okay. And also in the era of the transfer portal, you're trying to get guys to stay. I understand all the things. Okay. All I'm saying is, can we just pick five and roll with the five? That's where I'm at with it. I'm completely 100% agree with you. I think the tackles are set. I mean, I think McClendon and Jones, the best thing about him is, other than Jones' penalty, which just, I mean, that's going to happen when you're going against smaller guys. You're going to get, you, you can't help it when you're five inches taller than someone, you know, th- when your hands are straight out, you're just at their head. You know, you got, you're going to hit their head sometimes. So other than his penalty, I mean, he's been, he's been great this year. McClendon, just Mr. Steady, as always. SVP had probably his worst game as a dog this this week, um, but I also yeah. think that that's kind of a byproduct of the entire interior line was t- was really bad all, all game until they switched the blocking scheme up. So with with Truss, I mean I texted you this. He's been consistent. It's not really good or bad. He's just kind of in the middle. He's been he's kind of like Justin Schaefer. I mean, that's just how he was. He's that's exactly who he reminds me of. Tate is very hit or miss, and I think that I really think that we really need to start taking a. If we're going to continue with the zone blocking scheme, we really need to take a hard look at Willock at right guard. I really think that that's that. If we're going to go back to a gap blocking scheme, I think Tate will be fine because he's demolished. He's a perfect fit for that. But if we're going to go to stick with this zone blocking scheme and be stubborn with it. I think we got to go with Willick. He's not, it's just because I, he has the ability to get out in front of guys. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is because it's not my expertise. I just know that the way we're doing it right now ain't it. I, I just, we got to, we got to figure that out. We got to find our five and then figure out the scheme that works best for those five 
and just go let the talent eat. I just don't feel like we're doing that right now. I think it almost feels like we're trying to be too cute with it. Like, just let's just let the maulers maul, please. Uh, I don't, I don't understand what the issue is with that. So, one th- one more thing I do want to talk to you about. Do you think Lad got over the yips after that the- first catch? After that yeah. first drop, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, I thought he had a really solid game after that, which I feel good about because I texted with you about this. I think it changes how Stetson plays when he doesn't have the Lad security blanket. I think that's what Lad has become to him is I can just throw it to Lad and Lad's going to make something happen and bail me out. And I think yeah. between Kent, Kent State and that first play, I don't know. He just looked a little frazzled about it. Lad but. is his Wes Welker, his Julian Edelman, his just, you know, his I need, you know, six yards and whatever. Like, mm-hmm. he's that's his guy. That's yeah. That's the role that he fits in this offense. That's who he is. Okay, so this weekend – Based on the answers to uh, our questions in the Smart 16 with our many, many guests, is the most anticipated and beloved rivalry that Georgia has. That is the Deep South Soldiers rivalry. Them folks from the Plains coming up yonder to Athens to get their ass beat this weekend. So 127th rendition, I believe. I think that's right. 127th. So, which you always love that. When you got games going back to the 1800s, boy, that's just beautiful. So, obviously not an excellent opponent. The dogs, I think, are up to a 29.5-point favorite as of us taping. Even given the fact that they have, I think I saw ben, Bill Conley post, between Kent State and Mizzou, they're 56 points away from covering the last two weeks. Which is <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, but for for all of you that don't bet, that's a lot. <laughs> so, homie, twenty nine and a half seems like a lot. I'm just gonna say that that makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that does seem like a lot. I mean, look, but, part of the issue is Auburn. It's Auburn. It's Auburn. They, yeah, they part st- of the Auburn isn't. It's not Georgia. It's Auburn. They stink out loud. But look, homie, Missouri stinks out loud. So, I you know I am a little like reticent about being so brash <laughs> um I, I don't know i just that just that seems like a lot what they got the kid robbie robbie ashford and that the kid playing quarterback for them now i have no i didn't watch any of the lsu game i mean you know i didn't get to watch much football this weekend so um lsu's offense looked like hot garbage i mean <laughs> that that game was way closer than it should have been too so i mean yeah it's just uh I think the, the other problem is, is I don't think Auburn's defense is any good. So I think that's a big piece of it. I think we'll be able to do what we want in the air if we can just hit some stuff. So, I mean, look, hopefully they they cover that. That just that feels like a big number for a Georgia-Auburn game to me. Yeah, I mean, as far as Auburn, they've got Tank. They've got the, the other running back, Hunter, Khalil Hunter, I think his name is, or something like that. Um, those two, um, the two, the two running backs are really their, their weapons. And I mean, we don't have Jalen Carter this week, so our D tackles yeah. are going to have to step up. Yeah. You think Barry Alexander could get a bunch of run this week? I don't know. I just don't know. He, you see I mean, him in, when he, did you see him in at fullback last week? Oh, I loved, loved it. it. Absolutely loved, loved it. it. 
Yep. When it. he's played, he's looked good. He's he's really athletic. Like I mean, I expected him like after seeing all the pictures and the the film of him, he just looked so much bigger because he was playing against high school kids. I expected him to be look bigger. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he had that injury coming out of high school like I guess he couldn't keep up his weight. So he looks slim com- compared to what I thought he was going to be. He's he's very quick. So I'm not sure what style of D-tackle he's going to be um for us. So I'm not sure I'm not sure. I think we're going to see a lot in this year's stack house because he. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. He's looked really good. Really good, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, and I'm not sure what, who else we're going to see. Maybe Walthour. I mean, not Walthour. Um, Zion. Zion, thank you. I was like, I was like 96. I can see it in my head, but I couldn't. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of Logue. I thought um, he had a good ball game Saturday night. He did. He did have yeah. a really good ball game. So, I, but I think it's going to be, you know, the three-headed monster at, you know, linebacker r- roaming around like crazy. And did you notice that Sori finally got in some, got some run on Saturday? He yeah, looked I did. Good. I did see that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man, Pop had another good game. Yeah, he did. He's looked really good. So he he's seems, just, seems to be settling into his role as the leader of that defense. And I'm very happy about it. And he's so athletic that even when he makes a mistake, he can recover. So that's, that's also nice. Yeah. So I do think one of the nice things about Saturday, three thirty kick, it's going to be a nice environment at Sanford CBS game. It is going to be magnificent weather. I mean, literally a chamber of commerce day. (laughs) Like they should have a uh, table and refreshments out for Athens because it's just going to be the day you would want to advertise to get people to come live in Athens, Georgia. It's just going to be perfect. So I think that's going to be awesome. I think the stadium is going to be very loud. It's what I yeah. anticipate. So I think that's going to be cool. And, you know, it might be dusky enough where – Light up Sanford in the fourth could be pretty cool. So we'll see. What do you think that'll happen about 630, 6.30, 6.30. So the sun will still be out, but I, I mean, I think they're gonna do it. I mean, they may not have another chance all year to do it. I think they're gonna do it. Oh, they're gonna do it. Yeah, they're gonna do it for sure. It's just what the effect will be, but I still think it's gonna look really cool. So I haven't sent you the games, but we're gonna pick them. So you gotta pick them blind. No oh, boy. Hey, it can't be any worse than when I have time to research, so why not? Oh, boy, I was I was happy to just get some wins on the board last week. Thank God the early games went good because uh, also, if you're wondering why we didn't have a preview episode last week, just a lot of stuff going on. I was in the hurricane path in South Carolina last weekend, so just a lot of variables last weekend that didn't lend themselves to uh, – Tuss getting some content out. That's that's mostly on me, so apologies for that. James and I still sent each other our picks just to keep the records, and uh, let's just say it was better this week than it was the week before. Your boy got the ultimate golden sombrero the week <laughs> prior, which 
have a lot of shame about it. Don't really want to talk about it. So just mentioning it just for the record. And now we are moving on. So well, hold on. You got, you got to point out though, that even with that, you're still kicking my ass. So for the overall season, well, you put up a goose egg and are beating me. So still bothers me. I mean, I think I could actively try to miss every game and I don't know if I could do it. So <laughs> to go zero and 10 is a, a special, special level of incompetence. <laughs> Okay, this week's games, let's start with Tennessee going to Death Valley to play LSU, and boy, did they luck out with the kickoff time. They're getting an 11 a.m. local time kick oh God. in Baton Rouge. I mean, the Cajuns may not even be out of bed yet. Like, they're not even going to be close to tuned up by 11 no. a.m. local. No, So that stadium will be tame in comparison. But it's still Death Valley. So Tennessee, two-and-a-half-point road favorite. What you think on that one? I don't understand this line at all. Like, so this means at a neutral site, Tennessee would be a five and a half point favorite. So I don't, I don't get this line at, at all. Like LSU, I know they're what four and one now. They've uh, won four straight, but they haven't looked good doing it. No. So if their offenses can't score, and I mean, not like Tennessee's defense has been great, but I mean their offense has been really good and can put up points. I, I think Tennessee, you know, wins this by probably three scores. I don't under, I, this spread, this is one of those spreads that I look at and there's no way in the world I'm picking this game at all because I think it's a trap game. Yeah. This, this line stinks out loud to me. The fact that Vegas is setting it at this number makes me all kinds of uncomfortable because this just screams Tennessee to me. I mean, just seems like easy money. Yeah. take Tennessee and I am going to take Tennessee because I don't think LSU has a competent offense at all and Tennessee scored a football so I'm taking the Vols but I hate this line there is something funky about this line and we will see what happens on Saturday but it's a weird line brother okay next one college game day's location for the first time ever heading to Lawrence for Rock Chalk Jayhawk baby I mean, Wang Burgers at the wheel for everybody. Get you some <laughs> KU. I'm here for it. Uh, TCU, who is like an offensive whirling dervish. I mean, they just went and blew the doors off Boomer Sooner. I mean, spanked that ass up and down the field. They're six-and-a-half-point favorite road dog against America's darling, the football Jayhawks. What you feeling on this? So, wait, KU's favored by six-and-a-half? No, TCU. Oh, TCU's favored by six and a half. Oh, give me Kansas. Give me Kansas. I think I, I don't. I th I want the over. That's what I want. I want the over. Oh, the over is going to hit. Let me just assure you of that. <laughs> Although, in fairness, I did not forecast that the Iowa State game was going to be 14-11. So, who knows? I didn't forecast it either, but the over-under on that game was like, I think, 59 and I took the under on that one because I thought the I thought it was really high because Iowa State has a good defense, but their offense stinks out loud. So I didn't I expected it to be like a 28-10 game or maybe a 35-10 game. I didn't think it was going to get up to 59. I love this number for Kansas. I mean, give me Kansas all day at this number. Their offense is really exciting. And dude, their quarterback to me is the current Heisman leader. Like you're not having an honest conversation with yourself if that kid is not the current Heisman leader for a what he's done purely statistically, but also Kansas is five and oh, 
that doesn't even feel right coming out of my mouth. So he has to be the current Heisman winner if if it ended today. So what did I text yeah. you about Kansas to the uh, the other the other day? Oh boy, I don't know. Who, uh, if anyone told you that they had Kansas and JMU still on their uh, undefeated bingo card at this time of the year, they, they're full out line. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, look, JMU I could have got behind. Not KU. No chance. Oh, JMU again with that schedule against App State? No, there's no way. There's no way anyone had JMU beating App State unless they're a homer like me. I'm pretty sure JMU currently has number one total defense in FBS football. They do, which is shocking. Absolutely shocking. All right, so we both feel good about that. We're rolling with the Jayhawks. I'm happy about that. Wave the wheat, baby. Okay, next one. I don't know how you're going to pick on this. Are you going to have to abstain from picking? <laughs> oh, God, what is it? The Fighting Pirates. Oh, God. Pittmans oh, are going God. to start Vegas <laughs> to play the Cowboy Pirate Ship. What are you going to do, homie? What's the spread? Mississippi State favored by seven and a half. Yeah. Tough number. Boy that, boy, that Arkansas defense has looked like trash. Yeah, they have. And Mississippi State's kind of found a running game, which it seems to be where they they struggle the most. Which it, um, They can rush the passer. Um, uh, if, it was, if it was under seven, I think I would take Mississippi State, but I think I'm going to go with Arkansas. I think it's a seven-point game. I think Mississippi State wins by seven. I'm going to go with Arkansas. Oh, we're going to disagree. I'm taking the Bulldogs on this. I, um, I've watched Arkansas three times now, and I really, really think they miss Traylon, Traylon Burks. What Traylon Burks, yeah. They miss that vertical threat where they can pop one real quick. They just – they're not built to be a plotting, methodical offense yet that's what they are. They're just not a quick-score team. And, I mean, look, the third quarter, not standing. Alabama absolutely boat-raced them. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, and they did it mostly with their backup quarterback, which obviously their backup quarterback could probably start at 120 schools around the country. But you know what I'm saying. Like, I, I just, I don't know, man. I just don't know if they can score enough points. And I think Mississippi State, they're finding their rhythm, man. And Will Rogers is looking more comfortable every week. And I don't know. I just, I like what they're doing. I just don't know if Arkansas can score with them. So I'm going to take Mississippi State. The one thing I don't like about this is it's a noon kick, which I think, yeah, that's, that's 11 o'clock local. That's 11 o'clock local. Stark Vegas. So that gives me a little bit of pause because I don't know if the atmosphere will be as good. It's a, but It's a lot of weird I, noon games. Weird noon games, man. It's a it's a weird TV day. Okay, another noon game. Great noon slate, though. I mean, fantastic noon slate. Red River Shootout. Texas, Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl. Texas State Fair. Hookham is a six-and-a-half-point favorite over the beleaguered Sooners. What you feel about that one? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Flip a coin. Uh, um... Oklahoma has to has to do something, right? I mean, their season's pretty much shot anyway, regardless, but they have to salvage something. Or they're going to start calling for Venables after, what, six games? Um, well, I mean, let's flip that the other way. 
it's going to be the same for Sark. If they lose again in the Red River shootout after how it ended last year. Well, that's true, too. Is, Here's my uh, question. Is, is, is your Gabriel back? playing? That's another thing. Is you, is you? Yeah, is <laughs> is yours playing? Um, I don't think yours is playing. I'm pretty sure he's still out. Um, I don't know about Gabriel. See, this is part of the problem with picking these games on Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. God, I'm gonna. Go, this is basically probably. I'm probably gonna regret this pick. I'm gonna go with Texas simply because of how bad Oklahoma looked last week. I'm taking them too. I they have looked more stable over the course of the year than Oklahoma has. And I'm just going to go back to the Alabama game. I, if you're looking at whether it's a win or a loss, who's played the best game all year, it has to be Texas in that game against Alabama. Even yeah. though they lost, they've got a better game that they played than Oklahoma does, in my opinion. And, man, TCU embarrassed them on Saturday. I mean embarrassed them. So – this is probably the ultimate reactionary pick, but uh, I'm going to go with Texas because of that. I think Texas has less variables. I think they've got less, less to deal with internally. So that's who I'm taking. But who knows? That game is always weird. Capital W. Yeah. So it's always must see TV because of that. But who knows what's going to happen at 11 a.m. Central on Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you this: I would love to go. I think we should do a road show from the state fair one year is what we should oh, do. Oh, that'd be spectacular. We got we got to do that, homie. We could do an entire eating episode just at the state fair. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We we got we got to make that happen. They'll have to wheelbarrow us out. Yes, that we got to make that happen, homie. Okay, the next one I think this is one of the cooler matchups of the day just because of what's going on with the UCLA Bruins. Utah going to the Rose Bowl. To play Chip Kelly's fighting Bruins, Utah is a four and a half point road favorite. And I'm gonna tell you something: that UCLA Man. team is real, homie. I believe. Man, so who you like? Give me the Bruins, man. Uh, I was not a believer until they beat the tar out of uh, Washington on Friday. It was ten to nine, and then in the span of like seven minutes of real time, it was twenty six to ten. UCLA. Mm -hmm. So they scored 17 points in the span of seven minutes of real time. It was the most insane thing I've ever seen. And there wasn't the, the, the worst part was there was only one turnover. It wasn't like there was a pick six or anything like that. It wasn't anything crazy. It was just, they were that dominant. And there was just, you know, bang, bang, bang. What's a, what's kid plays quarterback name? Dorian Thompson Robinson, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm messing that up, but it's something like that. Something like that. There yeah. was, I should write all this stuff down, but there was a tweet or an article that I read that mentioned his start this year through the first five games. Statistically, he's done something. He's thrown for X amount of yards, X amount of touchdowns, X amount of interceptions. Whatever his statistical profile is, something like only five quarterbacks in history have started the way he started, and something like four of the five won the Heisman. One of them? Marcus Mariota, Chip Kelly's Marcus Mariota. So like, that's the thing for me, right? Is Chip Kelly's the wild card in all this. And I think they were smart and patient and they've let him get some kids that fit what he wants to do and feels comfortable doing. And now you're seeing what those Chip Kelly offenses looked like yeah. in 
09 and 10 and 11 and 12. And look, man, say what you want about Chip Kelly and the NFL and all those things, but that dude can coach some offense. So I don't know, man. I'm a believer. They score and they score at will. So I really, really like them in this game. I think people love Utah and I don't necessarily get it. Florida beat them and Florida stinks. And then didn't they lose? No, Oregon beat BYU. So, I mean, look, I know they've played good, but I'm taking the Bruins too, brother. I like them. I think this is a fun game, though. I think it'd be a really good ball game. Okay, next game is South Carolina going to Lexington to play Kentucky. Kentucky obviously has a very disappointing loss on Saturday. They did about everything imaginable to piss that game away. Yeah. I mean, they could not have shot themselves in the foot anymore. They are a 10.5-point home favorite over Coach Beamer's Gamecocks. What you think on that one? Stoops has to come, has to have them come out and make a statement after last week. And Rattler's still the quarterback at South Carolina. Uh, Rattler still turns the ball over, still likes the other color jerseys. Um, give me Kentucky. Give me Big Blue. I just I don't like Rattler. I don't get the hype around him still. And I think Kentucky is going to shut them down. And I think Kentucky wins by probably three or four scores. Yeah, I, I like Kentucky too. I just think they're a better football team. Um, this was a tight game last year, tighter than I think a lot of people anticipated. But I think a lot of that was it was a night game at williams Bryce, So I think there was a little bit of variable there. It ended up being a tighter score. But I just think Kentucky's better. I think they'll do a lot of what they want to do. South Carolina is not a good football team. I mean, that's just a period hard stop. And I think with their injuries on defense, it hasn't made it any better. So I'm going to take Kentucky. I will say this, though. Boy, did the Will Levis hype train take a nosedive on Saturday. I mean, there was articles getting written about him this week that he's going to be number one pick in the draft. Like, what are these people smoking, dude? I, I, don't, I never understand this. Comparing him to Josh Allen, like, get out of here, man. I, I just – I don't see it, dude. He he just does some stupid, stupid stuff with the football in his hand. Like, those two possessions at the end of the game, what, I, what are you doing, man? I just – anyways, I'm taking them, but they do not scare me at all when we go play them. Let's just put it that way. So, okay. Washington State playing USC. I think another fun matchup. Washington State is really an Oregon miracle away from being undefeated. And USC has been one of the talks of college football with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. And, you know, are they going to sneak into the playoff and run the table in the Pac-12? USC 12-and-a-half-point favorite over the Kooks. What do you think on that one? Give me Drew Bledsoe's alma mater. Give me the Cougs. I don't – I'm not – I don't get the USC hype. Who have they played? They haven't played any of the big Pac-12 teams yet. Nope. And, I mean, they've beating, beaten up on the Sisters of the Poor. Like, I just – and, I mean, they played Oregon – Oregon State played them tough. I just – I don't get the, the hype around them. I mean, if this was Lincoln Riley year three in his offense – you know, with his players, I get it. But I know this is Caleb Williams' second year, but he still doesn't have all his guys yet. So I think Riley's going to get that team, that offense high-flying. Still, the defense will still stink because it's one of Riley's teams. But he, they're just not there yet. 
Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I'm taking the Cougs, too. I, I don't like this number for USC. I think USC will win the football game. Oh, yeah, I, I do. I, I don't like them to cover this number. And I think USC has the highest turnover margin in America. Like, I think they're plus on the turnover margin higher than anybody in the country. That has to equalize itself at some point. And I do think their defense is a liability. It's going to bite them at some point. It may not be this weekend, but I just don't I don't love that number for them. So uh, I'm taking the Cougs too. Okay, BYU going to South Bend to play Notre Dame, rejuvenated Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a three-and-a-half-point home favorite over BYU in a miniature holy war. What do you think in this one? Before last week, I'm taking BYU. After last week, this is another reactionary pick. I'm going to take Notre Dame, and I'm going to regret it probably, but I'm going to take them. I have no idea what to do on this because I have no idea who Notre Dame is. I don't know if they can score points. I, I just don't know what they are. But they're playing at Touchdown Jesus at night, so I'm going to take them, but I'm with you. I, I really could regret this pick. BYU, I think, could very easily win this football game. But because it's a night game in South Bend, I'm going to take the Irish. Okay, next game is the game everyone thought was going to be the early game of the season, the battle of the heavyweights, the on-field incarnation of the biggest off-season battle that there was. Game day is going to be there. SEC Nation is going to be there. That's what everybody thought. Well, ain't none of that happened. <laughs> Texas A&M going to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. Alabama is a 23-and-a-half-point home favorite. Do you think that is enough points? No. I don't care who plays quarterback. They could run the ball every single down, and that's not enough points because Texas A&M can't score. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Here's, here's how it lays out to me. Texas A&M could not score if the entire roster's lives depended on it. That's bullet point number one. Bullet point number two. How many times has Nick Saban lost a game to the same team in back-to-back seasons? And I also would love to see the numbers on what the score looks like the year after they've lost to that team. He will have an axe to grind. And number three, with a bullet, you don't come out and call out the Kang in the summertime without getting your ass beat when the rubber hits the road. So I'm just telling you, they might put up 100 on Saturday. I mean, they are going to score until they cannot score anymore. Believe that. I want to see what the odds are on if there will be a post-game handshake. I mean, here's my thing, right? What do they say? You come with the king, you best not miss. Jim Bodinardi whiffed like six times between this summer and now, just based on how his football team has looked and how he handled things in the press, X, Y, Z. And, you know, then yeah. this week, he's just been kissing Nick's ass all week. Can't say enough yeah. nice things about Nick. Because he knows they're about to get the dog walked on this weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, that is going to be must-see TV just to see how big that number gets. Does Jimbo survive the season? I don't know, man. Did you see somebody tweet it out? I think from like a reputable source that there have been conversations amongst the AM boosters that they will pay the buyout. Yeah, I did see that. That's a hefty sum. 
I always, th- man, you know this because I told you this when it happened. I always thought that was just such a weird hire. Like they acted like they had just hired Nick Saban. I mean, that's how they treated it. And, and Jimbo Fisher, like what? What the hell has Jimbo done outside of one year with Jameis Winston? I just, man, I just do not understand it. But anyways, I, I think it's very clear that I am also taking the tide. I, this number, <laughs> this number seems way too low to me. Okay, deep south oldest rivalry. We already talked about the the spread on this. Dogs are twenty nine and a half point favorites as of us taping. Which again, just seems like a monster number. But we think you think they cover that. I'm going to take them, but with a caveat, I realistic, and this is, I'm taking them because I can't take Auburn. I cannot take a team in orange. (laughs) I don't realistically, there's too many kinks to work out right now. And Auburn's a team that I think Georgia feels like they can work the kinks out. I see this being one of those games where we get up quick, we get up early, we get up you know, probably 21 within the first, like, 20 minutes of the game, and then we start tinkering. And then it's, like, 28-7, and, you know, this ends up being, like, a 35-10 game. Something like that. Like, it's not, I I just, that's a big number for this. I just don't see it being one of those things, because we got so many things to work on, and I think Auburn's a team, once we get the game in the bag, can work on the things we need to work on. So, but you are taking the dogs to cover. I am. I can't take Auburn. I just, I can't do it. I can't take a team in orange. I just, I I just, I can't take them this week. I cannot take that number. I can't. If I was, if if I was putting money on it, I would, I I will not be betting this game this week. I will not put it in any, any parlay. I will not put it. I won't touch. First of all, I don't like to bet the dogs, put money on them anyway, because I don't like to be, have money invested in a team I'm emotionally invested in. I just yeah. I can't do that. But if I w- was not emotionally invested in the dogs, I would not touch this game with a 10 foot pole this week. It's just, it's too big a number. Now look, don't get it twisted. I think they're going to win and I think they're going to win comfortably. It's going to be a great day to be in Athens and celebrate your reigning national champions. I just don't think they're winning by 30 points, homie. That's all I'm saying. Don't get mad, but that's all I'm saying. No. I, I can't uh, – it's – if this was South Carolina, the same circumstances in the South Carolina game was this week and not a couple weeks ago, I could pick SC. I can't pick a team with orange. I just can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I get that. I just – 30 is a lot of points. And, look, I hope I'm dead wrong. I hope they win by 40. You know, I hope it's a huge blowout and laughing all the way to bank and I look like an idiot. But, man, 30 seems like a lot given that – one of the issues we have had is scoring touchdowns in the red zone. So I just feel like it's one of those games where we're going to do what we've done all season and that's go up and down the field and probably have 500 yards total offense and not even blink about it. Cause that's just what we're getting used to now. I just worry that we will convert all of those opportunities into actual touchdowns. Yeah. Now, if they do convert them into touchdowns, I think it's probably an easy cover. I just don't think Auburn is very good and I do not think they will score many points. The other variable in all this is we haven't really been a quick change team this year. So we haven't had a lot of turnovers and had short fields and all these types of things. It's just been a different animal than last year. So I don't care who you are. I don't care how good you are. When you're covering full fields to score touchdowns, it's a different, it's different calculus. So that's, that's just kind of where I sit on it. That 30 is just too big, man. I can't, I can't do it. So I'm taking Auburn to cover. 
um, begrudgingly. But I st- still think dogs run away with it. I think they could even win by 25, maybe even 28. Just 30, boy. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. All right. That's all I got this week, brother. We will have uh, Drew Parker's coming on to hang out with us next week, do Vandy game. Awesome. One thing before we go, just want to give prayers up for Lewis Seen. That was an ugly, ugly injury. You know, yeah. former dogs always never want to see that happen to anybody, but especially a former dog. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that was scary to see. And obviously all these former teammates that are now in the NFL all had posted things. And, yeah, I'm the same, brother. I hope that that's a, that's a full heel and that he's back and rocking because, man, he's just good kid and God, he's a great player and you just want him to have everything he's meant to have. So yeah, I hope he comes back as good as ever from that. So yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. Well, come see us in Athens on Friday night, be unlimited downtown six 30. got a great guest set. We want to see you say hello, bark with you a little bit. Um, so yeah. And until then go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.